This program is brought to you by Pussy Magnets. Put an inch on your friends with a Pussy Magnet. Welcome, welcome, my lovely lumps. Or should I say lovely labs? I'm so thrilled to have you here in the Labia Lounge to yarn about all things sexuality, womanhood, holistic health, and everything in between. Your legs. <laughs> Ah, can never help myself. Anyway, we're going to have vag loads of real chats with real people about real shit. So buckle up, you're about to receive the sex ed that you never had and have a bloody good laugh while you're at it. Before we get stuck in, I'd like to respectfully acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I'm recording this, the Manang people. It's an absolute privilege to be living and creating dope podcast content on Noongar country and I pay respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Now, if you're ready, let's flap and do this. (laughs) Oh God, is there such thing as too many vagina jokes in the one intro? (laughs) Whatever, I'm leaving it in. It's my podcast. Don't panic, you're not broken. Your sex education was a piece of shit. Get your flaps out and pull up the couch. It's the Labia Lounge. Hello, my labial loves. Welcome back to the lounge. If you're joining us today, I imagine that you're maybe a bit surprised at the topic of this episode because it's not it's not the usual fodder that you've found on this podcast before, um, which is really exciting to me and also a bit nerve-wracking. Um but I'll get into that. So today I've got two very, very special guests who I'm excited to introduce you to that are here to talk about their experiences with MDMA, psychedelics and cannabis as a couple and individually in their lives. They've got some pretty amazing tales to tell and I'm very keen to dive into how they use these substances in their relationship and their sex lives. So let me introduce Shelley and Charlie Winninger. Am I pronouncing that right? Winninger or? Winninger, Yes. Winninger, cool. So Charlie is a psychotherapist in private practice, licensed as a psychoanalyst as well as a mental health counsellor. He specialises in relationships and communication skills and has been treating couples and individuals in his New York City office for over 30 years. Wow. A practising psychonaut for the past half a century, his over 75 MDMA experiences inspired his memoir, Listening to Ecstasy, The Transformative Power of MDMA. And it's an incredible book, and we'll talk about that, but highly recommend just getting that, ordering it on Kindle stat. Um, and Shelley, his wife, is a retired critical care nurse with over 40 years of hospital experience in the United States and Israel. Her experiments with psychedelics, MDMA, and cannabis have allowed her to blossom as an elder woman who remains sexually active and vital. She's especially discovered the rejuvenating effects of cannabis on her postmenopausal libido and now shares her discoveries with others. And for the past 25 years, Charlie and Shelley have been members of the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies otherwise known as MAPS, which funds research into the use of MDMA for treating PTSD, social anxiety, and other ailments. The two of them have been instrumental in building the local MAPS community in New York, and this has included annual and semi-annual group experiences using MDMA to bond and grow the community. Oh my God, wow. This is all amazing. Welcome, Charlie and Shelley. Pull yourselves up a clip cushion and uh, get comfy. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. 
<laughs> so I'm kind of pinching myself a little bit that I'm talking to you two because I'm a big, big fan. My partner was like, don't fangirl out too much, Freya. Um, and when I got in touch with Charlie to invite him onto the podcast and he asked if I'd be open to you joining us, Shelley, I was a bit beside myself with excitement because I feel a bit like I I kind of know you both just from reading Charlie's book and hearing him chat about you on, on podcasts as well. So yeah, you've become a little bit like a couple idol for me in a way. Um, so that's all very exciting. <clears throat> but, well, I shouldn't say but, but and I just want to like preface this episode by flagging that Obviously, at the time of recording this, um, the substances that we're going to be talking about mostly aren't yet legal in Australia or, or the US. I mean, cannabis in the US in some states, but mostly they're still illegal. And, um, you know, like the, the huge amounts of stigma and misinformation and fear mongering that has surrounded drugs like MDMA have created a public opinion about drugs that's pretty negative and, in my opinion, pretty inaccurate and, and quite narrow and limiting. Um, but this is this means that I've been feeling, yeah, like some apprehension about covering this topic because a part of me is worried that it'll detract from my credibility or my legitimacy as a professional in the eyes of um, maybe those who aren't as educated on the modern science around these substances and who still harbour a lot of judgment and fear and assumptions around drugs. So I've been a bit worried that, you know, being someone who's already playing on the fringes by massaging vaginas and coaching people on sex for a living, I know that to add to this like another taboo, another another stigmatized proclivity like partaking in illegal drugs could be just like too much for some people. Um, yeah, so part of me is a little bit scared about about that, you know, that this might change how people view me or like turn people off my work. But then on the other hand, it's just more important to me to spread awareness and get information out there about topics like this that I'm passionate about and that are potentially life-changing for people. Um, and, you know, my MO on this podcast is just smashing through the stigma and the taboo and shining a light on the shit that people aren't talking about. So I felt in the end, I felt it would be inauthentic of me to avoid talking about this because it has been a huge part of my own healing and self-growth journey. Um, and the science is now there to back up my experience if people are actually open to learning about it. So just had to, I know that was very long-winded, but I had to give a little bit of background because, yeah, I, I've wanted to get you guys on the podcast since I started it about a year ago, but I have just like held off in order to establish the potty and build up enough rapport and credibility with my listeners um, so that I'm hoping at this stage they're not just going to write me off as a junkie and throw the baby out with the bathwater. <laughs> but um, anyway, you can't cater to everyone. And um, yeah, I'm really thrilled to be educating and opening people's minds with you two here today. So thanks for being here to broach this brand new territory with me on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. And, you know, I really appreciate what you're doing there. Uh, it's brave of you to have us on uh, because we are, uh, uh, even though we're both senior citizens uh, uh, in our 70s, we're fairly controversial people. Um, so I appreciate your your bravery in having us on so that we can spread the word about how to live 
one's best life at any age, mm. especially uh, uh, as long as uh, one is an adult and can make their own decisions for themselves. Uh, and, you know, Freya, you, you use the term drugs. We prefer the term medicine. Uh, we consider psychedelics in general and MDMA in particular uh, to be a medicine that mm. can be used for all sorts of healing purposes and bonding between two people. Mm. Mm. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you for that. I yeah, I also like to call them medicines and drugs. It uh, it doesn't feel right, does it? It has it has quite um almost sort of it's got quite clinical and and perhaps negative connotations. So thanks for that. Um, and I guess yeah, like just to to get going. So on this episode, just for everyone's information, I'd love um, I'm going to chat a bit about the way you two have been using MDMA for the the last 25 or so years in your relationship. And we're going to get into how you, Shelley, have been exploring the use of psychedelics and cannabis to enhance your sensuality and your libido post-menopause. So a few pretty massive topics that I'm going to try and squeeze in, but I'll see how I go. Um, but I guess first, like, I'd love to get a bit of a rundown for those who just have no idea or maybe they've they're still sort of suffering from the the stigma the hangover of the war on drugs that kind of um stigma and 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 judgment could you maybe give us a little rundown on the main medicine that we'll be talking about so mdma and a bit about the science uh that's now finally being funded um that are showing the benefits and the healing powers and potential of MDMA because yeah it is it is widely believed still I, I feel like that you know a drug is a drug is a drug and they're all just kind of lumped in together and and one might one who might doesn't know about this sort of thing might just think oh well MDMA is just as bad as the harder stuff like cocaine or heroin or ice or whatever so I'd love to just clarify some of that and um and also hear about your experience around you know like people having a having a bit of assumption or a bit of judgment because you're you know a pretty in your work I'd imagine you you wouldn't want to maybe in the earlier days you wouldn't have wanted to rock the boat too much lest people are to be turned off I guess similar to the position that I just described for me like do you relate to that as well yeah um well uh, I'm glad you're bringing these issues up uh uh, we do draw a very big distinction between a psychedelic uh, like LSD or a magic mushrooms, also known as psilocybin, mm -hmm. and a MDMA, which is also known as ecstasy or molly. We, just, we draw a real distinction between those drugs or medicines and other hard addictive mm. drugs like cocaine or heroin, or crack, uh, mm -hmm. or, 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 or uh, methamphetamine. Uh, those drugs are uh, very, uh, or opioids. Um, all those yeah. drugs are very addictive. Uh, they can uh, kill, and they do kill people every day. Uh, and the, um, the, the the medicines that that we that we do, we do very carefully. Um, we're always making sure that they're pure, 
because we can always test them and people don't mm -hmm. know that they can test their, their, their drugs before using them. Uh, it's a very important point because you want to test it for mm -hmm. purity. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we're very, very careful. We're safety first is is our motto, and so uh, we only use pure MDMA. We make sure it's tested. We have a scale to measure it out to the milligram. Mm -hmm. We use it judiciously. We don't use it more than four or five or maybe six times a year, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we found that when and only when you use a medicine like this the right way, it can in, in, enhance and deepen the bond between two people. And we mm. found this in, in the, um, not only in our own relationship, but other relationships of people that we've met over the years, just many, many people here in, in the New York area. And it can um, en enhance the relationship and, uh, give it a whole other level of pleasure and intimacy and depth and mm. and joy. Mm. And, uh, you know, some people consider what we do to be recreational drug use. We prefer the term celebrational because mm. uh, that's what we're doing. We're using a medicine like MDMA to celebrate our love and make it even better. So it's like icing on our cake. <laughs> Beautiful. So what are some of the latest research? I know it's, it's almost going to become legal in the next couple of years in the States um, for certain use with like PTSD treatment and things. Do you want to give us a bit of a rundown on the latest findings around? Because I feel like, you know, if I, if I chat to mom or someone about this, I usually have to, and she's a nurse and she's quite, you know, logical and rational. So I, I can't say things like, oh, but mum, you know, it's so, it's so bonding and it's so this or that. I'll just be like, all right, so here's what the studies say. So I find that that can actually just add a bit of like credibility and legitimacy. So I'd love to maybe give people a rundown on the latest with MDMA as far as you know. Sure. Well, first let me say that, uh, when first when MDMA first came um, about uh, and was distributed in, in California in the 1970s and, and through up through the mid 1980s, it was legal and mostly used uh, by psychotherapists for the purpose of couples counseling, couples therapy. Wow! They would give it. Uh, they they give these uh, two two tablets to their couples and say, you go home and you do this. We call this drug empathy. And mm. uh, it will help you feel more empathetic and compassionate to each other. And, uh, and then come back to my office and tell us how, you know, tell, you know, we'll talk about what happened. Uh, it, in, in 1986, it became illegal uh, for reasons that we could go into. Um, but um, now... Uh, they, they, uh, the federal government here in the United States is allowing for clinical trials to treat post-traumatic stress disorder. So what that means is that they're giving MDMA under highly uh, controlled uh, circumstances uh, to uh, survivors of sexual violence, 
to uh, 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 soldiers back from the war in Iraq uh, Mm. who have been severely traumatized. And they're finding that with uh, about three sessions of MDMA interspersed with several sessions of regular talk therapy, these people no longer meet the qualifications for PTSD. Their PTSD, mm-hmm. for, for um, over two-thirds of them, disappears permanently. At least that's what they're finding so far. So, of course, mm-hmm. these are significant and exciting uh, developments. And if the trials keep going the way they're expected to go, MDMA will once again be a legal prescription medication by the end of next year. Wow. Oh, wow. Incredible. Thanks for that. So you kind of alluded to some of the reasons why they became illegal. That could be a whole podcast on its own, but maybe just, you know, I'd love to hear your your two cents on what went down around that time, that war on drugs sort of time where it all became, all of those substances became illegal and there was a bit of a campaign to smear them? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, it's just like in the 1960s with LSD when um, there was a sensationalism and, you know, uh, people jumping out of uh, uh, out of buildings and, and they were saying uh, they did research that it damaged chromosomes well, all that turned out to be foolish. Um, and, and first of all, it doesn't, LSD doesn't damage chromosomes. And yes, there might have been a couple of people who jumped out of windows, but uh, there were millions of people who did not. Uh, <laughs> and same with uh, MDMA. Uh, there was talk about, oh, it burns off spinal fluid. Um, it it uh, destroys brain cells. Uh, and <laughs> what they found those studies, they they would give mice. They found that that they came to the conclusion because they would give mice one hundred or two hundred times the normal dose of MDMA, and and it would destroy the mice's uh, uh, brain cells. So oh. again, uh, one study, one study, they weren't even using MDMA. One study, they they, they mm. had to retract. They were actually using methamphetamine instead of MDMA. Um, Mm -hmm. So uh, there was a lot of sensationalism. And you know what happens when the sensational story gets in the press and everyone gets it in the head of, oh, my God, this is dangerous. Oh, my God, the kids are going to die. It's hard to get that impression out of the minds of people with subsequent research that shows that that was all bunk. Mm -hmm. So... Um, that's what happened with MDMA in the 1980s. And there were sensationalized stories. And uh, and then the parents started talking to the people in Congress. And then the Congress people wanted to, the politicians wanted to, you know, so they, mm. they moved to make it illegal. And that's what happened. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, thank you. I'd, I'd very highly recommend if anyone hasn't seen it, there's a series on Netflix called How to Change Your Mind and it gives you a bit of a rundown on some of that, the history with that. Um, So just also to debunk another myth around the risks of MDMA and psychedelics, 
it's you know what are your thoughts on that because I feel like there's so much fear mongering and um and actually when you look at the facts like alcohol is far more toxic and a lot of these prescription pharmaceuticals are far more dangerous and the statistics show that they kill far more people like what are the you know what where does it measure up in terms of like risks well when we're talking about pure MDMA um when used correctly it's very safe um certainly even though there's a lot of impure MDMA people out, out there, and sometimes it's, it's mm-hmm. mixed with, with, with other drugs, uh, and, and certainly some people abuse it. They take too much. They mix it with mm-hmm. alcohol, et cetera, mm-hmm. which you shouldn't do. Um, uh, so that, that does happen. But even then, uh, the number of people who end up in the emergency room in the hospital from MDMA is a fraction of mm-hmm. the people who end up from an opioid overdose or uh, or uh, or alcohol, hmm. Hmm. Yeah. so it's really much safer uh, than those other substances. But I do want to emphasize that this is, first of all, this is not for everyone. Just like drinking is not for everyone. Hmm. Some people hmm. can't drink and shouldn't drink. Um, MDMA is not for everyone. And it should only be used in the right way. And if you don't know what you're doing, please don't use it. Um, so that's why there's a section in my book, Listening to Ecstasy, mm. uh, that's a, 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 a handbook, uh, the last chapter, for, uh, for safe use. And the most important part of that is that you can and should and must test it. You should test it before you buy it. And you certainly should test it before you use it. And to do that, you can you can do that by um, sending away for a testing kit, which is not too expensive and is legal. Um, there's an organization in the United States called DanceSafe.org, DanceSafe, just like it sounds, .org, where you can go online and order a testing kit. Uh, and uh, you can test it for fentanyl. You can test it for all these other substances. You only use it when it's pure. If you use it when it's pure and you have a scale so you can measure it out and you know exactly how much you're taking and you limit your first dose to the standard dose, which is 120 milligrams, uh, and, and uh, you, you should be fine as long as you don't mix it with other substances and as long as you don't have, as long as you're not pregnant, um, uh, and you don't have, uh, if you're not bipolar, and if you don't have a heart mm-hmm. condition, um, those are the major factors that might rule mm-hmm. it out. So basically, people. when you're at raves or parties, and people come over and want to sell you stuff, you have no clue what's in those pills. Right. So you really have to be you're careful. Taking, you're taking a chance. That's right. Mm-hmm. So we yeah, are, super we important. Are, yeah, we only use pure MDMA. And because of that, and because we followed the safety, we're in our 70s. Uh, we've done MDMA about five or six times a year for uh, the past 18 years ago or so. We've, we've done it now between 75 and 80 times. And we're fine. We we um, <laughs> we've never had a bad trip. 
We never had a bad, what we call it, a, a role. Never had a bad experience. Never had what some people call the Tuesday blues, which is um, some people feel down a few days afterwards. We have never experienced that because we followed the protocols. Wow, amazing. Thanks for sharing that. And yeah, super important just to to be very responsible and savvy about it. Um, don't everyone just take this podcast as, as a suggestion to go rushing out and popping some MD. Um, I would I would say, I mean, there's so many amazing resources online and also Charlie's book, you know, has been really thoughtfully put together with lots of guidelines um, that have been figured out by, you know, years and years and years of trial and error and, and thousands of people all putting their input in so yeah very low risk actually if you do it right so now that we've got all of that out of the way I'd love to hear about how you two have actually yeah begun using MDMA in your relationship how that experience has been really groundbreaking for you both as individuals and as a couple and just get a feel for like a role like you know these five, six times you do it a year, like talk us through that and how that has enhanced things for you, why you love it. Well, there's all our, – our roles have included going to beautiful parks, to uh, botanical mm. gardens, to parties, to New Year's Eve uh, at, at a, a concert – um, to being with uh, 12 people, 10 people. 45, 45 people. 45 people. Uh, they're doing it <laughs> um, uh, like in a park together. Uh, so it, 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 it's all different ways and each way has its, each way is just great. Because you, it, it, when you feel good, I remember the first time I took it, it just, felt so good and I was we were basically alone uh, at somebody's house they they weren't home and we he you know I knew it was I was gonna get it and I spent the time exploring my body mm. and then afterwards it's written he it's written in the book actually I think I I the audio I uh, spoke about how it started, it was a summer night and it started raining, like very light drizzle. And I wanted to go out naked. And I went into the backyard and it was just amazing. This was, this was at nighttime. There were nobody, no neighbors around to, to, to see. Um, but uh, Shelly wanted to go out running naked in the rain. And uh, it was uh, an ecstatic experience for her. Yeah because she felt so free. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. And, and just to clarify, because you said you're exploring your body. But. Oh, yeah. Just just touching my face, touching my feet, touch, just touching myself and loving myself about how, how I, I'm a whole person with all the works mm. inside, but... Everything is like so. My belly may be big, my this may be larger than other people's, whatever. But I'm I'm a miracle. Life is is a miracle, mm. and it really made me feel that. And wow, 
And that was the start of my starting to love myself. It wow. Took, it so it kick-started some body love and, and sort of started shifting your self-image. Is that kind of what you're yes, saying? Yes, exactly. Wow. It, it mm. took time. It wasn't a one-time deal. Um, but little by little, in fact, little by little, I was able to forgive people without even trying. Over the years, oh. I, I, you know, family members, that was it was tough. And I've forgiven. Wow. So it's really just an amazing medicine. Hey, Babe Towns. So sorry to interrupt, but I simply had to pop my head into the lounge here and mention another virtual lounge that you've got to get around. It's the Labia Lounge Facebook group that I've created for listeners of the potty to mingle in. And there you'll find extra bits and bobs like freebies or discounts for offerings from guests who've been interviewed on the podcast, inspiring and thought-provoking conversations, and support from a community of labial legends. I also have an account on the fab new app Sunroom, which is a platform created by women for women and non-binary folk, and where there's no shadow banning or censorship of sex-positive content unlike with the other platforms that I'm on. So you can hit up my sunroom for extra content and real and raw life updates because I'll be sharing on there from now on all of the stuff that I can't post anywhere else. My vision for both of these is that they become really supportive, educational and hilarious resources for you to have more access to me and a safe space to ask questions that you can't ask anywhere else. So head over to the links in the show notes and I'll hopefully see you in there. And now back to the episode. Gorgeous. It's it's, um, it's more of a sensual drug than a sexual drug or medicine. I mean, on TV, you'll see depicted, you know, people uh, taking some MDMA and then wanting to have sex. And, and some people do, uh, but it's more of a sensual experience. And, uh, and I mean, we've certainly made love on it uh, with a little uh, help for me with uh, some, some uh, ED medicine <laughs> uh, and cannabis. But what we do at the end of a of a role, um, after we've spent time alone together or with other people, and we're back home and and and, uh, and we want to go to bed uh, and and have a, a shall we say a, a a climax to the day, we'll smoke some cannabis as the MDMA is is ebbing, uh, and mm. and have what we call sextasy. Because uh, <laughs> they're both so tactile, aren't they? Like very, very sensory. Um, gets you in your body, feel amazing in your body. It's very, um, yeah, I guess helpful for connecting with that that um, human animal kind of part of you that's that's tactile and likes touch. And yeah, I, I can kind of see that. That's that's cool. Go you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it can be fun, but but it's also deeply, deeply bonding to to have these peak experiences with a partner again and again. Uh, it has a cumulative effect, Freya, so that uh, we are. I'm sorry. Do do you pronounce it Freya or Freya? Freya. Freya. I'm sorry. 
Um, no, it's okay. It has a, a deep, uh, deep, deepening effect over time, an accumulative effect uh, when you do it many times, uh, as long as you space out those experiences between each other. Uh, and it has imbued our life with um, so many uh, wonderful experiences and uh, that that can help us get through the hard times that everyone has and and every couple has. We've had so many mm. beautiful experiences to to draw from when uh, the going gets rough. Even during the mm. pandemic. Yeah, and during the, including during the pandemic. Yeah, it helped us get through the oh, pandemic totally. very well. When, be- when better, really, in lockdown. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> what else are you going to do? Um, well, that, that sort of leads me into my next question around, like, um, I guess the empathy side of things and, and how it could be used really intentionally as a medicine for, like, basically couples therapy. I'm wondering if you ever have sessions where you plan to do MDMA together that, that is kind of for relationship maintenance and where you plan to tackle some crunchy conversations that need to be talked about or, you know, talk, like bring up things that might normally be a little bit difficult um, to delve into because you know you're going to have this added layer of empathy that MD gives you. Like do you plan some topics of conversation that you want to, you want to broach when you're in that space, space together or, or plan a session in that way? Um, we've, we're blessed in that we don't have too many (laughs) real crunchy issues to handle. Um, we have had some, some issues and certainly early on in our relationship, uh, you know, we had been together for several years. We'd lived together for a few years and there was this looming issue of uh, uh, we're going to take it to the next level uh, and would we ever get married and it was sort of a, a topic we didn't discuss with each other it was sort yeah. of like uh, uh, maybe the elephant in the room uh, and and we we really didn't bring it up and one role um, well until 20, 2025 actually uh, of 2025 2005, we were together five years, right? And we were at a annual July Fourth birthday party, beach day, and uh, Charlie had a friend who every every July Fourth we went to um, the beach along with a lot of his coworkers, and there was one woman who I saw her once a year. She had been living with her boyfriend also for five years. And he proposed, and and she, oh. she said they were getting married, and that's when I really it really got to me like yeah, I'm in my fifties. I'm not. I, it's not about having kids, but it's more about a, a commitment. And we were kind of. I was kind of afraid to bring it up, but I could. I could feel it bubbling inside me. So. Uh, on our next roll, I brought it up and I said, it's not, this isn't a game changer. It's not going to be not a game breaker, a, a game breaker rather. It, that's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not going to change my feelings for you. Although I was starting to get a little bit 
resentful. And I knew, I know from past experience, especially with my ex-husband, that when resent, when being resentful builds up, it can really destroy a relationship. Resentment. Mm. Yeah. So mm. we brought it, I brought it up on the next roll. And um, I said, yeah, it's not going to break it, but, but it's not a deal breaker, but it's disturbing me. And I just listened to her. Uh, I didn't want to say anything, but as she was speaking, and of course we're both high on MDMA, uh, <laughs> and uh, and I was looking at her, and she was expressing some resentment about that. You know, we've never brought it up. I've never brought it up, um, and she's feeling like she misses that extra level of commitment. And I was looking at her and noticed that. I am so in love with this woman. Uh, I, I, and, and it made me realize, like, I just want to get as close to her as I can. And so I decided there and then, silently, to myself, I'm going to propose to her. And, uh, uh, and I didn't tell her right then. Uh, and I waited until I was sober. And I... Um, <laughs> Uh, and this is all detailed in the book, but I, I concocted quite an elaborate uh, proposal uh, to her uh, on our next um, the the, uh, the five year anniversary of our first date. Uh, oh. and, um, uh, I had uh, her meet me in the city, and we walked to Times Square, and. I proposed to her on a big, huge billboard. Electronic billboard. Electronic billboard overlooking Times Square with a big photo of us saying, will you marry me? Uh, and don't and, forget the flash mob. <laughs> well, practically. <laughs> so it was, um, it was quite an experience, but it came to me, really all that inspired inspiration came to me during that, that role on, on MDMA. Mm. But because yeah. uh, we were on MDMA, uh, Shelley felt safe enough because it, it does it, the, the medicine floods your body with uh, your your own uh, serotonin. It releases serotonin in the body and oxytocin and all those feel good chemicals. So she felt safe enough to bring up this issue that had been bothering her that she felt resentment about, and so she could feel free enough and safe enough to say it. And I could feel open enough to hear it without getting defensive, and um, and it it shifted things between us. Mm, yeah, beautiful. It's amazing what just that level of of empathy can do when you're. I guess it does put you in this position where you're actually receptive to hearing the other person and putting yourself in their shoes because you're naturally so much more empathetic that you're feeling what they're feeling rather than immediately going on the defense and then that's obviously a bit of a wall where they're they're sort of on a different team and what they're trying to get through to you isn't getting through because you're already thinking like what am I going to say back to this because I've got to defend myself and yeah it kind of makes me wonder since like you're in the business of you know um, couples therapy and communication and, and relationships like 
MDMA aside, or you can involve that in your answer if you like, but I'm wondering like, what, what are some kind of ways that you like to help people or, or coach people on, you know, communicating better, more lovingly, creating a sense of connection and safety within a relationship um, and, and helping that side of things in a relationship? Because I feel like communication is such a big one that a lot of people struggle with. And then even if you have the, both, the best intentions and you're both like neither of you are wrong in a situation, it can then pit you against one another and make it really difficult to actually get anywhere. So yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that and what your favorite um, strategies are for that. Now you're talking about sober strategies? Well, either you can go into either, or maybe there's some overlap. Well, I mean, certainly, um, I mean, I'm a psychotherapist and half my practice is couples. I do a lot of couples counseling, sober, uh, where everyone in the room is sober. And Mm. um, there is, I do emphasize communication skills. And, you know, the key to, to communication is not speaking clearly. Because most people can speak and express themselves pretty clearly. Not everyone, but most people can. The real key to communication is listening mm. and uh, and receiving your partner as they speak and using your uh, abilities to empathize as best as possible uh, and to really under- try to understand what it's like being in your partner's shoes, uh, your partner who is telling you that they are upset with you or, or, or sad about something or scared about something or, or um, angry about something, uh, and to be able to listen uh, uh, is, is not easy uh, sometimes. Mm. Uh, mm. It, can, it can be uh, scary to be vulnerable enough to, to really try to understand what it's like being in your partner's shoes. But that's mm. the key. And uh, the, using the medicine, they say that people can do a year's worth of, uh, of couples counseling in a day with MDMA. That's how it was originally used back in the 70s. Uh, and um, uh, there's a lot of underground work now being done where couples are going to underground therapists and and. Uh, and and being using MDMA because it can help somebody develop the uh, the skill of of empathy and and compassion. Mm. Do you find that after you've had a role? I know you sort of mentioned earlier that it's cumulative, but do you feel like you know in the days or weeks after that experience where you've had so much empathy and you've really been vulnerable with one another and you've shared things and put yourselves in one another's shoes, that that actually lingers and it's easier for you to access that space of empathy and connection afterwards, even once you're sober? What people report after they've had an MDMA session with their partner, with the help of of an underground couples therapist, is that Certainly, during that day, they you know they're very open and and have this real physical, palpable feeling of not only love but but empathy, but that it does seem to have after effects that go on for days and months and even longer. That people report that 
Uh, you know, we're getting along better now, and it all really stemmed back to that session we had on MDMA six months ago or a year ago. I've heard that from couples many times. So uh, it does seem to have a, a lasting effect. But often mm. what couples will need is more than one such session. Yeah, okay. Beautiful. Well, I'd love to slot in the segment Get Pregnant and Die now and <laughs> ask you to for a, uh, a story about how your sex education failed you, maybe something you would have liked to have learned more about. Um, you know, any, I mean, I'll play you the little jingle for this segment to get you in the, in the zone. <laughs> and then you can give me a story. Don't have sex because you will get pregnant. And stop. 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 Don't have sex in the missionary position. Don't have, don't have sex standing up. Just don't do it. Promise? Okay. <laughs> All right. What's your sex ed anecdote? <laughs> Both of you, either of you, shoot. You know, having grown up in the 60s, and, and going to nursing school, it's from 1969 to 1972. Um, alcohol was what I learned how to, how to drink. And it, mm. uh, you know, I was like 20 years old when I lost my virginity. And I had to read about, I, I really didn't know anything. I was, honestly, I, did not become really sexual and until really until I, I met Charlie and I was introduced to cannabis at the age of 49. It, wow. I wish I had done it. I mean, I tried it a few times back, back in the day, but not nothing. The only thing that was sexual related was I met this guy at a gym, and he, he thank God he lived right near my parents where I was living. And um, he, I, I went to his house, which was a big mistake, but um, I smoked a little bit of pot, and I had never felt like that before. I, I almost felt like out, like I had no control. And then when he showed me a picture of himself naked, I'm like, okay. I was a good, a nice Jewish girl, okay? I didn't know from things like this. So I went running home to where my parents were and never told them and uh, realized, okay, I have to be real careful. Um, but uh, I, all the times, all the years went back in this early 70s when there was free love, um, that I participated in, but it was never uh, satisfactory. It was more about mm. the guy, and um, yeah, yeah. It, it really—I mm. didn't come into my own really until I met Charlie. Mm. Mm. And uh, when we found, when I started going through menopause, uh, we didn't know how much cannabis was going to play such a huge part. We, when, we, when, mm. we first, when we first met, we were like um, making love like two bunnies. Um, 
all the time. We were hot for each other. Uh, and that went on for a couple of years. But then Shelly became premenopausal and then menopausal, and her libido really took a dive. And we both grew kind of sad about like, oh, my, maybe this is the end of uh, a hot sex life between the two of us. But it was only <laughs> the beginning. <laughs> yeah, well, I'd love to ask about that. I've got a few questions for you, Shelley, because I know you've been having a lot of success using cannabis in particular and, you know, also psychedelics, MDMA, um, to supercharge your libido postmenopause. So if, you, if you'd like to go into that and just explain a bit how you've been doing that, how you've been finding it, oh. what a difference it's made, yeah, I'd love to hear. Oh, absolutely. Excuse the interruption, my loves, but I'm shamelessly seeking reviews and five-star ratings for the potty because, as I'm sure you've noticed by now, it's pretty fab, and the more people who get to hear it, the more people it can help. Reviews and ratings help me carry favor with the algorithmic gods and get suggested to other listeners to check out. Plus, they make me feel really good and appreciated as I continue to pour my heart and soul into creating this baby for you. And I promise I don't maz over them or anything. I mostly just tuck them away for a rainy day when I'm filled with self-doubt and existential dread about being self-employed, which is fairly frequently. <laughs> so you see, leaving a review really does make a difference and it's an easy little act of support that you can take in just a minute or two by either going to Spotify and leaving five stars for the show or writing a written review and leaving five stars over on Apple Podcasts. Choose your poison, or if you're a real overachiever, you could do both. Whoa now. If you are writing a review, though, just be sure to only use G-rated words, because despite the fact that this is a podcast about sexuality, words like sex can be censored and your review won't actually show up. Lame. Anyway, oh, oh, what was that? Oh, you're going to go do it right now while I wait. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great idea. May as well just quickly click that five-star button before we get on with it and, you know, like forget about it and get on with your day. Um, um, oh, I'm hearing them roll in. I'm hearing those five stars. <laughs> oh my God, I make myself cringe. Anyway, uh, thank you much, Lee. You're a total gem and I'll let you get back to the episode now. So, First, I'll say every Saturday night is a date night. And um, over the years, I realized I can't, I cannot use a vape or a bud or smoke a joint anymore because I have problems with my vocal cords. So I can only do edibles. And um, I found through trial and error that if I took a strong enough dose of cannabis that I would be pretty high and could do, I can do things. I can have orgasms without even touching myself. Just, <laughs> just by a different, I play games. I've, I've learned different ways to, to, to play with music. Like some music is vibrational and I'll, without oh. touching myself, I'll focus it and uh, I'll have an orgasm. Wow. Sometimes, some, <laughs> Sometimes you'll even have an orgasm with me. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, Lucky so you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
And when you say incredible... When I say incredible, that means I am multi, 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 multi multi-orgasmic, as opposed to just multi, multi (laughs) multi-orgasmic. She's hotter than when I met her, when when she was 49, (laughs) and she's now 71. So um, she's... You go, girl. The hottest grandma you'd ever want to meet. It's a lot of fun. Um, I also another thing I do is when I know I'm high, um, when I when Charlie and I are hugging, I'll sometimes repeat the word feel, feel, feel. What am I touching? Feel it, feel it, and it's a turn on. And and it wow. it yeah, it's like mind games. I play these mind games. I never know what what I'm going to come up with. But uh, and sometimes you latch on to the music, right? Oh yeah, oh right. The music sometimes, if depending on what it is, what kind of music it is, uh, we listen to a lot of. Um, uh, I guess you could call it uh, trip hop or boodle uh, lounge and and uh, uh, d- down tempo down tempo stuff. Mostly without, mostly just instrumental, right? And I'll. Mm-hmm kind of picture myself like uh, like in a, in a movie scene of some sort it's depending on the music and it's, oh the music can just help you enter an entire entire other landscape yeah. and, and cannabis very or, immersive or, or any kind of something that, that helps you with your senses. Any, it, it can mm. really make a difference. Mm. Mm. But uh, oh, I know what the TMI is going to be. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, well, should we just should we just launch into that? Um, Trigger warning. <laughs> what have you got, Shelley? Okay, so we were at a music festival a few years ago, and I was rolling, and I was standing up, but we were on the grass, and I'm moving my body, and next thing I know, I'm having an orgasm right then and there, (laughs) the way I'm moving my body. In public. In public. Nobody knew. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, um, She's quite incredible. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. And so have you have you spoken to other people that have experienced this same or similar thing with cannabis and um and that like heightened sort of sensuality or that ability to tap into the orgasmic energy more easily? I've spoken to some people. Most people are like, "Oh, wow, that's amazing." Uh actually tomorrow I am going with uh the head of the Psychedelic Sisterhood. It's a new thing, part of our psychedelic society here in Brooklyn. And uh, I'm going to try and become more active for teaching these young women more about their bodies and about using Mm. psychedelics. Um, There are a lot, you know, in the, in, I don't know how it is in Australia, but in our psychedelic communities here in the States, it's mostly, I would say, majority male, majority white male. 
and but slowly some younger women are are entering it and a lot of them really don't have a lot of experience so i'm mm. you know to, like i say i'm going tomorrow we're going to look at a space to see if we could start having meetings and uh, talking about things that you can't talk about at a normal psychedelic society meeting Mm, wow. Yeah, it's so interesting that that sort of intersection for me because like sexuality is my line of work and something that I nerd out on and I know um, quite a lot about at this point. Um, just some of the uh, most common things that clients come to me and, and complain of are, are like um, a struggle to be really present in their body numbness and disconnect from their body and then obviously self-esteem and body image issues Mm. and all of those I feel and through experience I can say that something so instrumental um, for me and for people I know that that's been like amazing at helping me like look at myself and go oh my god why am I so critical like I'm beautiful I'm a human I'm you know that empathy and that like just connection it just beams out of your own eyes right back at you and it's really cool to actually not just not necessarily just like waste that all on other people when you're high but actually project it back towards yourself and within and then you just see this like perfectly flawed beautiful loving kind human in yourself it can help you feel very um very sort of like connected to your body very dropped into your body rather than in the head um there's like lots of ways that it taps you into like the physical and the energetic that might not be accessible when your brain's running the show um in day-to-day life and so I have I have heard that from other people as well like it's super super powerful as as a a tool a therapeutic and medicinal tool at tapping us into this this space within ourselves this connection and then from that place of connection to body and and self-love and compassion mm-hmm. obviously sexual energy and sensuality is able to be expressed and to blossom and to flow and to unfold um and we have access to that so it's really really fucking cool to me that you're just like yeah, I'm in my 70s, whatever, having like multiple orgasms just at the fucking smell of a rose, don't even need to touch myself, going to have one on the dance floor, what of it. I'm going to be looking at all of the grandmas at the doofs now with suspicion being like, are you humming right now? <laughs> hey, I even had a, um, a group role with just women and um, I'd, I'd love to do it again just because women are, you know, it, it's not like in the other cultures or back in the day when women were their own tribe, so to speak. And that's what we're trying to do now yeah. with this sisterhood, with this psychedelic sisterhood. Mm. Mm, beautiful. Like an initiatory, yeah, sort of initiating them into womanhood, into their bodies, into 
their um their sensual energy and their feminine energy like i think it's so important because we just don't have those sort of rites of passage and we are so disconnected from our bodies and our femininity because of this sort of fast-paced very yang very masculine world that we live in that really respects and gives power to like the head and the mind rather than the body um so that's really cool that you're doing that um and yeah, yeah, it's amazing because then also you're obviously tying in that sort of um, wisdom that can only come through living a long bloody time, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's so cool to see someone from your generation talking openly about orgasms and being interested in exploring the sensual side of yourself, you know, like yeah. better late than never. Sounds like you had a little bit of a late start in life, understandably, yeah. given the, yeah, I mean, the sort of um, oppressiveness and, and everything around feminine sexuality. Um, so it's really heartening to sort of like hear you speak about this and, um, yeah, there's just so much, there's so much joy and and kind of youthful like childlikeness I think like when you two talk I noticed Shelly when you're talking people can't aren't going to be able to see this but Charlie's face just looks like a little boy like smiling he just starts smiling in this way and his whole face changes you know and I'm like watching the two of you I'm like oh wow (laughs) it's beautiful um and I don't think a lot of people you know who have been together that long and are at your age would be living in that place really of joy and playfulness and connection and you know like that's really sad but also fucking awesome to see it in you and it's really available to people uh you you thank you for what you're saying and it's it's never too late uh you're never too old to uh to wake up and to uh open up uh, your 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 sex mm. life or your life to new exciting pleasurable experiences. When when mm. I left my ex husband, I remember saying out loud, "There's got to be more to life than this." I was existing. Mm. I was going from home mm. to work to home to work. You know, uh, mm. my kids were growing up, and um, I I I knew there was more to life. And I was right. Mm. <laughs> mm. Oh, my gosh, you were so right. Imagine if you'd given up then. Oh. Goodness gracious, you hadn't even gotten started. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, speaking of speaking of uh, age and things like that, like how – I'm curious about how your experience of ageing, um, uh, like, has it affected the way you approach – um, sexuality, the way you approach your relationship, has MDMA been a part of um, this journey? And, and I guess also like it's pretty cool because you guys are part of this big community of psychonauts that that mean you have access to all different generations and things. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'd just love to hear a little bit about that side of things as well. Well, uh yeah, I, we've come to really believe in the usefulness of of psychedelics in general and MDMA in particular for uh, across the adult lifespan. Uh, when we met, we were in middle age. Now we're seniors, and using these medicines has really helped us navigate uh, this, these life changes when our bodies, you know, get older and 
uh, and um, we're a little more limited than we used to be in, uh, in what we can do. Uh, and that's, of course, always hard for, for people to, to grapple with. It's hard for me to grapple with sometimes to accept limitations that I didn't have 10 or 15, 20 years ago. Uh, and these medicines have helped me, for example, um, really uh, accept uh, my limitations. And because uh, my life is so good with this woman and uh, and my life is so good with uh, the judicious use of these medicines that I know that uh, on my deathbed, I, I, I won't have any regrets. I'll have lived a very full uh, full life and where um, it, it's not going to be a, a, a time where I'm going to say, oh, I wish I had done this and I wish I had done that. Um, so... I tell people, and I'll tell to say it to your audience: if if anything we're saying piques your interest, and uh, you think it might be for you, and I say it's not for everyone, but if, if you think it might be for you, look into it, educate yourself. Uh, there are websites you can go to, like maps.org, or you can go to my website, listening to ecstasy.com, and learn more about how to do this. Right, and if you do it right, it can um, just help you, like it's helped us, uh, uh, and 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 life transitions can help uh, help one out of a rut. It can help one transition to a new stage of life, and uh, and help uh, accept uh, these changes. Mm. I liken. Getting high on a good medicine like MDMA to going up on a hot air balloon for the day above your life and looking out at the at the view. That's what it feels like. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll get high and it's it's like we're in a hot air balloon looking out at our lives, getting a view of the big picture, where we've been, mm. where we are where we might want to go. It helps us envision uh, where we might want to go and what we want to do and the next place we want to travel to and the next things we want to do or, or reimagine our, our, our home and what we want it to look like or anything we want to change. It helped you. It helped you change from working five-day week. Mm-hmm. To, uh, to, to uh, shortening your week. To shortening my week. There was a whole uh, whole mm. role when uh, um, Shelley inspired me to, to do that. But it's, it, it can really help you get perspective over your whole life. At least that's what mm. we have found. And that's one another mm. way that it helps us navigate the aging process. Mm, yeah, beautiful. That perspective and that clarity that it lends, it really sort of... It sort of lets everything else that isn't important fall away, doesn't it? It's like, oh, what have I been doing? (laughs) I'm crazy. You know, you get so caught up in the life, like this, you know, society's expectations and your job and this and that. And it's all so stressful and so fast paced. And then you have these moments, you know, where the clarity, it's almost, 
it's almost laughable. You're just like, wow, okay, it's actually so simple. That's exactly right. I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, we have the same aches and pains that other people our age have. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's just part of aging. But because of these experiences, uh, those aches and pains aren't playing such a significant role in our day-to-day life. Mm. They don't define who we are. Thank you. Mm. Yes, they don't define who we are um, mm. uh, because we have all these other joyous experiences to draw from. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the context is just so different once you've had those experiences and, and it really shifts the lens that you look at it all through, doesn't it? Yes. Mm. Yes. I just realized we didn't get a TMI story from you, Charlie. I'm not going to let you off that easy. <laughs> uh, uh, a TMI story from me? Yeah. Really? Um, okay, well. If you can think of anything. Well, sure. I mean. Um... Hey, me again. If you'd like to support the potty and you've already given it five stars on whatever platform you're listening on, I want to mention that you can buy some really dope merch from the website and get yourself a labia lounge tote, tea, togs. Yep, you heard that right. I even have labia lounge bathers or a cute fanny pack if that'd blow your hair back. So uh, if fashion isn't your passion, though, you can donate to my Buy Me A Coffee donation page, which is actually called Buy Me A Soy Chai Latte because... I'll be the first to admit, I'm a bit of a Melbourne cafe tosser like that. And yes, that is my coffee order. (laughs) You can do a once-off donation or an ongoing membership and sponsor me for as little as three fat ones a month. And I also have a Sunroom profile over on the Sunroom app, as I've mentioned. And I also offer one-on-one coaching and online courses that'll help you level up your sex life and relationship with yourself and others in a really big way. So every bit helps because it ain't cheap to put out a sweet podcast uh, into the world every week out of my own pocket. So I will be undyingly grateful if you support me and my biz financially in any of these ways. And if you like, I'll even give you a mental BJ with my mind from the lounge itself. Saucy. Um, I'll pop the links in the show notes. Thank you. Later. I alluded to it a little before in that um, partly because of my age and partly because of the effect of something like MDMA, it can be hard for humans of the male persuasion to um, <laughs> perform uh, sexually. Um, so what I'll do is uh, take a little uh, pill, like a Cialis or a Viagra, uh, though these days it's, it's Cialis, uh, and um, that will solve the problem. Uh, and, uh, and, and so I can, uh, um, uh, get and stay, uh, uh, erect for, um, to, 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 to make love. And, mm-hmm. uh, it really makes it a, a difference. That's another drug that enhances aging. <laughs> <laughs> love that. Yeah. Amazing. It's Thanks for being comfortable to talk about that. I really appreciate the honesty and the vulnerability, um, Sure. And also, just to clarify for people, it, it, it's only while the MDMA is in the system that there might be erectile issues, right? For the and I mean, your age comes into it as well. But just so that people don't go, oh no, like I'm going to take MDMA once and then my bone is not going to work. Like, just want to clear that up. That's right. That's right. Next. <laughs> I had an issue during normal weeks. 
Ja. ja. <laughs> Fabulous. All right. Well, just before we wrap up, I was I was wondering if there's any glaringly obvious um, holes or gaps, things that I've missed that you'd like to make sure that we speak about or that you mention um, any parting words you'd like to leave listeners with, you know, anything we didn't cover that's really necessary to make sure because it's obviously a massive topic. Um, I don't want to, you know, I want to do it justice. So is there anything else you feel a bit incomplete about? Well, um, uh, yeah, we, we haven't talked too much about the emotional aspect. Uh, um, we find that MDMA can act like uh, emotional superglue for a couple. Mm. Uh, it has for us and for other couples that we've known. Really helps us bond on a on a very uh, uh, deep and, and profound level. Uh, we're, mm. we're together twenty two years now, and uh, I've never been more in love, and I've never felt uh, closer to another human being in my life. Actually, uh, mm. so uh, um, it's, uh, it's 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 it keeps getting better between the two of us, and. Um, so that's been uh, that's been quite quite joyous, and um, uh, it it you know, it, and 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 I don't know if this is true for other people, Freya, but for us, we found that uh, the medicine has had cumulative effects over time. So what I found is that over the years, this medicine was speaking to me; it was giving me information, and actually a whole curriculum. So I started taking notes, and oh. uh, and uh, like a like as if I was in a classroom. And those notes are what eventually evolved into the book, "Listening to Ecstasy," mm. to really convey all this information to people. Uh, not only is it a, a memoir about my life and our life together, tells our whole story, but also um, about the whole psychedelic renaissance that's happening now. Uh, and there's a chapter on aging and a chapter on a guide to safe use. So uh, it really, the medicine inspired me to, uh, to to write about it. And it's really been a labor of love. And uh, it's uh, it's been um, quite a beautiful journey that uh, my wife and I have been on. And yeah. we're very, very grateful to, uh, to, to be alive and well during these days when we can talk openly about this and come on a show, mm. a wonderful show like yours, uh, so that we can talk openly about something that even 10 years ago, uh, people would have been um, so shocked that they, 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 they would think that we we're just psychotic. <laughs> um, mm. uh, but now people are <laughs> opening up and realizing that these medicines can really enhance lives. And um, there's a wonderful, um, I want to point people to two, two things if I can. One, of course, is my book. Yeah. And people are free to email me if they can, they can find me on my website, listening to ecstasy.com. But you should also educate yourself if you have any interest in any of this by going on Netflix and watching this new wonderful documentary by Michael Pollan called How to Change Your Mind. And, mm, uh, I mentioned that earlier, yeah. Yeah, all about psychedelics. And one episode is about MDMA, one episode is about LSD, etc. 
and it's mm. brilliantly done and so good. Um, uh, can really um, uh, open up your mind to the possibilities here. Mm, yeah, amazing recommendation. And even if you're not interested in doing it, watch it. It's so fascinating. It's very, very, very well done. It's so beautiful. My partner and I watched that whole series recently and, yeah, it was such a treat. It was like, oh, finally, this yeah. is information that needs to get out there and also just the way he does it. I mean, he's a writer. He's poetic. He's articulate. It's amazing. Um, yes. Really, really, really high quality and wonderful um, and I guess especially great for the skeptics. Like I'm always sort of trying to think because obviously at this point I'm very used to getting a fair bit of skepticism or, you know, just questions even just about what I do um, with my work with sexuality and, and yoni mapping therapy where I'm massaging pelvic floors and massaging the inside of women's vaginas. There's a lot of judgment, a lot of like, oh, hang on, you do what and why would anyone do that and da, da, da. So I'm kind of um, often having to, I guess, and, and I think people think it's woo-woo, you know, and it's the same with psychedelics. They think it's a little bit too witchy. It's a little bit too spiry. And that is automatically a turn off for people that are like, no, I'm, I'm rational. And, you know, my nan was a doctor. My mum's a nurse. They're, they're very um, rigid in the way they see things um, that aren't conventional or sanctioned by the law or whatever. And so I'm really used to having to try to explain things in a way that's offering enough evidence and uh science i suppose yeah just things that add credibility so that show my partner and i were just like oh fabulous this is the kind of thing we could send to our parents and go have a look at this we're not just like making this shit up you know we're not just cookers that <laughs> like get high there's a lot more to this that has just been um you know oppressed and and yeah, so anyway, that's, yeah, fabulous recommendation. It's Your book, really, really beautifully written. Sorry, he's legitimized. Sorry, no. You... Mm. Ooh, Michael Pollan. Mm. Yes, yes, the author. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 really cool, really cool. So well done. Um, and I think that's based on a book, isn't it? The How to Change book, Your Mind the series. Title. Yep. Yes, right. Yeah, yeah, so... Definitely check those resources out, everyone. And um, thank you so much, you two, for being so generous with your knowledge and your experiences and your time. Um, it's been a pleasure chatting and just really, really cool for me, really heartening. I don't have, like, any grandparents left and I don't have many um, elders in my world. So I love seeking out an opportunity to just hear from, you know, especially ones I can actually level with and relate to, you know. I could not talk to my nan about this stuff, so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for having us on. I really appreciate it. We always love to to, uh, spread the word and and, uh, and share our, our joy. Beautiful. Thank you, you two. I'll put the links to all of those things that you mentioned and the resources in the show notes. And I'll see everyone later. And that's it, darling hearts. 
Thank you for stopping by the Labia Lounge. Your bum groove in the couch will be right where you left it, just waiting for you to sink back in for some more double L action next time. And in the meantime, if you'd be a dear and subscribe, share this episode, or leave a review on iTunes, then you can pat yourself on the snatch because that, my dear, is a downright act of sex-positive feminist activism. And you'd be supporting my vision to educate, empower, demystify, and destigmatize with this here podcast. Also, I'm always open to feedback, topic ideas that you'd love to hear covered, or guest suggestions. So feel free to get in touch via my website at freyagraph.com or say hey over on Insta. My handle is Freya underscore graph underscore YMT, and I seriously hope you're following me on there because damn, we have fun. We have fun. Anyway, later labial legends. I'll see you next time.